You are now listening to Sweet Talks, sweet stories that inspire women to indulge in their dreams and life's work. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Sweet Talks. I am your host, Bree. And as you know, this is another special episode in a part of our What Now miniseries. As you know, we're facing some challenging times and I wanted to create a space to think through what now. On this episode, I am extremely excited to jump right into things with today's guest, who should be no stranger to you by now. She closed out all of the episodes of season three with an amazing one-minute meditation. It's yoga therapist and founder and owner of Bear Soul Yoga, my sister, Ashley Williams. So I'm going to read a quick little bio of about her before we start. Ashley is an advocate for self-care, social justice, and community building that bridges yoga, mindfulness, and trauma-informed initiatives in a wide range of local and state government agencies, universities, and community organizations as well. She is full of inspiration and light and uses her time and efforts to create spaces for people to be empowered and healed. Ashley's intention is to provide a safe alignment and somatic-based class that guides individuals through all levels of their being. Three words to describe her teaching style are intentional, creative, and mindful. As a yoga therapist, Ashley is humbled to work with individuals and small groups experiencing specific physical, energetic, or mental or emotional health conditions. Her work is rooted in listening to an individual's challenges facilitating the process that guides them to understanding what prevents them from living their most authentic self and offering tools to ignite and empower them to their most authentic, balanced self. Hey, Ashley. Hi. Thank you so much for being here and joining me on this episode. I'm so excited to have you here for us to chat a little while. And um, now I personally wanted Ashley to be on this episode because she's amazing at what she does. And I know that she would be perfect um, to tell us about some self-care practices and what we should be doing and could be doing during this time. Our health should always be at the forefront of our priorities. But during these unforeseen times, um, you know, we have to pay a little bit more extra attention to it. And I think that Ashley will be able to talk us through some ways to go about doing that. But before we jump right into the talk, I typically ask my guests, as we know, to describe themselves as a dessert. But instead, I'm going to switch it up and ask, what's the one dessert you've been indulging in during quarantine? I'm going to give you a second um, to think about your answer. And I'll start with mine. So, Again, uh, with me during this time, I'm trying to be a little bit healthier. Uh, so I sometimes opt for sugar-free candy. Um, I don't want people to start jumping to, to, to conclusions. Um, not all sugar-free candy tastes like it's sugar-free or that it has a weird aftertaste or anything like that. I've actually found one that is kind of surefire and tastes like uh, the original. And that is sugar-free Reese's. Yes, they taste like the real deal. Um, now, disclaimer, uh, because the sugar alcohols are used in these uh, sugar-free Reese's, uh, they actually have a recommendation on the bag that you not eat more than three or four of them because they can actually turn into a laxative, <laughs> uh, which is not good. But uh, trust me, you want to be careful with the amount. But I also think that it's really a great to just like cure a sweet tooth and you won't go crazy on them because, again, you need to limit the amount that you have. So I love me some sugar-free Reese's, but they have to be made by Reese's. So not the off-brand, just the sugar-free actual Reese's. So 
Yeah. What about you, Ashley? First, I love the specifics that you gave about the Reese's and their sugar-free qualities. I had to warn people because <laughs> it's serious out here. <laughs> well, surprisingly, my sweet tooth has really changed during quarantine. So I've never really been an ice cream lover. But at the beginning of quarantine, I really indulged in ice cream. Not just one type of ice cream. I bought like four cartons at a time. Oh, yeah. And it ranged from a brownie, caramel ice cream. It was French vanilla, a cookie dough. And so that was my indulgence during the first part of quarantine. And then surprisingly right now, I'm also not a chocolate lover. So it's really interesting these times um, and how I'm shifting. But I have purchased two bite-sized Snickers. And you did love Snickers when we were growing up, though. That was like the one chocolate you actually like to eat. Yeah. And so I was really surprised. Like I came back to that craving And mind you, it's literally just the bite-sized Snickers. I bought two of those, and that's kind of been my thing. They had been in the refrigerator. Um, But yeah, that's kind of what I've really indulged in. Yeah, I think the quarantine is bringing out everything. (laughs) It's like bringing back our childhoods, these cravings that we've never had. That's really interesting. Yeah, so I'm blessed to have Ashley as a big sister and just a call away. And I will be completely candid and share with you that at the beginning of everything that was happening with COVID and us having to go into quarantine, I actually called her up and I shared with her that, you know, this just was not easy for me. I wasn't feeling myself. In fact, I didn't know how to feel. And although I was keeping myself busy, talking with friends and family on a daily basis and quote unquote, staying connected, I was still kind of lonely in a lot of ways. And, you know, that was just my perspective and how I was, you know, thinking about everyone else and what they were going through on different levels and how um, in many ways I felt selfish because I didn't lose my job or I didn't have a husband and kids to worry about. Again, leaving me feel uh, for a lack of a better word, just like blah, you know? So when I spoke with her, she told me it's okay to feel exactly how I was feeling and that my feelings were valid in every way possible. And that, and that's something that I, I needed to hear for myself. And in that moment, I, I felt instantly better. So I will use that as a starting part point for our conversation, you know? Like, let's talk about our feelings and our emotions, you know, that we're feeling at this time and, and why it's important to really recognize them and and how you use your practices to help maneuver them. And, and, and I don't want to say control them, but to really um, acknowledge that they're there during this time. Yeah. So for me, this time has really brought out the importance of the mindfulness practice, not just that I teach, but has really allowed me to move through difficult situations and shifts in my life. Like at the beginning of my mindfulness journey, it was it was developed from me coming through a huge shift in my life, a shift from a lifestyle um, from college into adulthood, a shift from having someone really close to me um, pass away and managing feelings like that. So similar to those shifts that brought me to the mindfulness practice, I'm now realizing that the shifts are all the same and so we can experience shifts in all different ways in our lives a lot of times the shifts end up being a moment of loss. Mm -hmm. 
And right now we are experiencing so many moments of loss, whether they're right in front of our faces or not, or we're able to identify them. So we're shifting our lifestyle. We are, we were very community-based, some of us, and then now we're at home. Um, We're shifting our lifestyle in the space that some of us are extroverts by nature. And um, now we're being called to be introverts. Uh, Some of us are introverts by nature. And then with this virtual world that's come up, we are now being called to be more extroverted. We are, there's so many shifts. Um, Some of us are losing our jobs. Some of us are losing our family members. We are losing lifestyles and things that, um, that we know to be true for ourselves. And that's challenging. And so our first thing that we need to do is to acknowledge them, but it's hard to acknowledge them, especially when we have so many um, things taking place. So for me, when I first uh, entered into quarantine, my first practice to myself was to say, can you just be with what's taking place and allow yourself to just be present with all that there is? So my first thing that I said to myself was, I'm not going to move too fast. Yeah. Or can I be in this without fear? And how can I practice being with this without fear? For me, a lot of our business, um, my business is community-based. And so there was a shift from business operation in the community. There was cancellation of events, which really actually means loss of income. It means loss of communities. It means parts of our loss of mission because we can't serve people that are most in need, especially during that time. So I had to really take a moment and take a step back and say, how can I manage these shifts in a way that's sustainable and comforting for me and then be able to take care of others? So um, sustainability for me was like you said, like talking to each other every day and finding the support from family and finding the support from friends, but then also keeping boundaries between all of the communication that was having between family and friends um, so I could still maintain my own space mm-hmm. to to move through feelings that were taking place. Um, another thing that really kept me grounded was taking a look at, you know, what were my needs yeah. at the time? So what were my needs? My needs were that I needed to find a way to make sure that maybe my rent was paid. Right. right. <laughs> or find exactly. a way to ensure that um, the teachers that, did do work like the month before we're still able to get paid. And that's just from a financial standpoint. But another part was just to acknowledge that this could be a very scary situation. And that's a mindfulness practice in the sense. And coming back to that um, statement you made that all our feelings are valid. Sometimes I have to remind myself of that. Yeah. Um, that, you know, the fear that I'm feeling, the anxiety that could potentially come up is real. The loss of what I know to be true in my everyday lifestyle is real. Yeah. So I think that one of the really important and I guess overarching things that you just mentioned is that there has been a shift, you know, and it's crazy because it's a very powerful shift that has taken place in everyone's lives. Like it's not just happening to one specific group of individuals. It's happening to the entire world, which is, I don't think something that we've seen in our lifetimes and many that older people that we know have never seen in their lifetimes as well. So it's something new and something different, but it's affecting us all on 
such different levels and in so many different ways. And like you said, it's important for us to acknowledge everything, not just how we're feeling one minute, but how we're feeling the next minute. And and and, and again, validating that those feelings are okay. But again, trying to figure out, you know, is it a time for me to sit, to, to pause in this moment, or do I need to get out of that feeling? Um, and I think that there, there was a moment um, in both of our lives where we didn't expect something more to occur. So, you know, shortly after we had that conversation initially, we had some traumatic news that our father had actually had a mini stroke. And let me tell you something, there's nothing mini about a stroke, you know? Yeah. And that news, it, it shook our entire our lives, our our families. It took us on an emotional, spiritual, even like a physical roller coaster in many ways. Um, and it happened very quickly. Um, and I just remember sitting outside of the hospital and I found myself not being able to breathe until my dear sister placed her hand on my chest and she simply said, breathe. And that's, and that's a moment I will never forget because all I needed to do in that moment was breathe. And I was forgetting to do that simple thing because I was letting my emotions and, and just anxiousness and everything overwhelm me. Um, just with the hospital situation in general, not being able to physically go inside, um, understanding the reasonings why behind that, why the, those things were take, you know taking place, but also feeling kind of uh, just lost and not knowing what to do in that moment and how to be there for someone who you love, you know? So I would love to talk about the importance behind breathing. I think that's something that you definitely talk about and at being a practice and something that we need to, to, to recognize and, and to do on a daily basis and to remind ourselves to do, you know? Yeah. The thing is, is that, um, I always mention this and it's with experience too, that the body is the soil and the breath is the anchor. And so the body has this opportunity. Um, I introduce this in a lot of the spaces and encourage people to check in with all of these five spaces, but we are multifaceted. And so when some people ask us how we're doing, we may say good, or we may say exhausted, or we may say tired, right? We give one response to how we're feeling. And whereas they're all connected, we have five different bodies. We have our physical body, which is like our arms, our legs, our heart, you you know, our response to food that we take in. We then have our mental and our mind body, which is our thoughts. Like, what are we thinking about? What chatter is taking place? What's helpful and unhelpful? We have our emotional body, which is, you know, our heart, like the actual emotions. Like, are we happy or sad? Are we experiencing joy or pain? Are we experiencing grief? And then we have our breath body and our energetic body. So how's our energy? Is it high? Is it low? Um, are we fatigued, right? And then we also have our intellect and our wisdom. And that's that space of you in meditation, you might call it enlightenment, but in our everyday life, that is how are we making decisions and what decisions are we making based on what we know to be true? So if our physical, mental, emotional, and energetic or breath body are feeling one way, and we are aware of it, how can we intellectually make a decision based on our wisdom to then take care of ourselves? Wow. And so our bodies are soil. Our body will tell us 
how we are feeling. It stores so much in so many different ways and there's so many different layers. And we can experience a lot of different things at one time. Our our sometimes challenge is is acknowledging and taking a moment to be aware of all of those different layers and then putting a voice to them. Um, And then second, our breath, which you mentioned, that is the most important part because our breath is our energy. If we were to take it even a bit deeper, our breath is our energy. It's our vital life force. Without it, we would not actually be able to experience all of the the feelings and the emotions. We wouldn't be here, right? That's our life. Um, We could even take it further and say that's our spirit, right? We need our physical body as in a vessel for our breath and our spirit to move through for us to live. And our breath from a physiological standpoint, A, is always with us, right? If it's not with us, we're not here. Um, B, our breath signifies our emotional bodies. So if we think about those moments when we're angry or upset, our natural response sometimes is to breathe really quickly. Sometimes if we're in a challenging situation, we might actually even stop our breath. Um, We also have an opportunity to have like a smooth or choppy or deep breath. And so if we're stressed, our breath gets stuck in our chest. If we're open and we are relaxed, our breath is moving fluidly all the way down to our diaphragm. So the, the key is, is that A, our breath is already with us. And then it has this opportunity to be managed, which we sometimes forget because we don't practice our breath. So being able to be mindful of the shifts of our breath and then making the choice to practice deep, slow breath, first begin to calm your nervous system. So when our breath begins to slow down and we take this very natural diaphragmatic breath, we allow our we signal to our nervous system that it's time to relax, it's time to rest, and it's time to, um, we call it our parasympathetic system, our rest and digest system, right? So when we are rested, where our body moves and functions in a way that it's supposed to. And when we're stressed, think about we're, we're constipated or we are tight or we're tense. We're breathing from our chest. But we have this opportunity to say, you know, I can manage my breath, which then manages my nervous system, which then brings me into this state of clarity and restful energy so I can move forward with ease and not move forward with a sense of stress or urgency. So the breath, knowing that it's always with you, allowing our breath um, to be an anchor for our ease, to be an anchor for our effort, but really just to be an anchor to be present with ourselves and what's going on, because that's what's going to allow us to ground and find some balance in any type of situation and in everyday life. <laughs> you make it sound so, so easy, you know, yeah. just like breathing, you know, to be honest, breathing is such a simple thing, right? We think, but after hearing everything that you've just said, it's so profound. It's something that, you know, we, we just, we take for granted, you know, we just do it, but we don't really realize how much it impacts us. And again, like you said, without breathing, we're not alive, you know? So I, I think that all of what you just shared with us is so powerful because it made me think during that entire time you were talking, like, how am I breathing right now? Help me slow down my breath and like, just kind of sit in this moment, you know? And I think that's so important because I think we're finding ourselves in these spaces where, again, it's like, what now? That's why I wanted to do this mini series. And you can either be overwhelmed and stressed in this moment. You can take the time to breathe and really kind of reflect and sit back and decide, 
in what way you would like to move. And I think one of the another one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, it's important how we are taking care of ourselves and our bodies and our physical selves and in our mental selves and in every aspect of us right now. So I would love to talk through some um, actions we can take as individuals, but really what you believe self-care is, what it looks like, what it can mean to individuals and some things that we can incorporate um, in our daily lives to, to inflict self-care on ourselves. Yeah. So self-care, I always introduce the definition in which I land. One reason is because we really do use the term self-care in so many ways, especially in today's culture. Um, And so I root down in the definition that self-care is a routine and a a daily journey of intentional living and being mindful about your physical body, your mental and your emotional well-being. So it's intentional living. And then I introduce mindfulness as a self-care practice because mindfulness is that invitation to be present in your moment in a compassionate, non-judgmental, and accepting way. And so if we are able to be mindful of our experiences that we encounter every day, and if we are able to be mindful of each moment in which we Um, are engaging in our life, which is every moment, then we begin to honor and treat ourselves um, by accepting what the moment is. Mm. So the difference between self-care and then maybe that term stress, because one thing we're hearing a lot now, and the one thing we hear a lot in our culture in general is that I'm stressed Mm -hmm. and, or this is a stressful situation. And the thing is, is stress is a mental habit that is our projected reality or our projected outcome versus our reality. So what's happening in the moment. So it's the difference between what we think or want to be happening versus what is actually happening. Wow. So for example, right now, we are in this shift where, you know, the government's controlling our movement. We're experiencing different losses of lifestyle. So that's a reality. And then it can, and it has the opportunity to become a mental habit and to become stressed if we're in this moment and we say, I wish that I was at work and that this was not happening right now. I wish that I could move in this direction. But if we are able to be mindful, which is just to say, and accepting and non-judgmental say, you know what, at this moment, I'm experiencing this shift. I my movements are being monitored by the government. I have to wear a face mask when I go out. I'm having this change of lifestyle. I might have to shift my job, right? If we can say, I accept that, then we allow ourselves to ground into the moment. And instead of having the mind chatter or the thoughts of projected reality, we are able to just kind of move from a clear stated space. Um, So that's the definition of self-care and ways that we can do that, especially in uh, not just during this time. These are things that I encourage people to practice throughout their lives. So then when we do hit challenging situations, these responses become very natural and organic. And the first thing is to find a breathing practice. And so taking a few moments during your day to practice what we call breath awareness which is you're just pausing 
And you are just taking a moment to either close your eyes or find a soft gaze and take slow breath in and slow breath out. And so if that seems fairly challenging, all you have to do is you can always go to my website and find a guided practice, but finding, looking at different resources that offer free breathing practices, and then let that be a guide to allowing yourself and leading you into deep, smooth breath and just practices that give your breath a foot, use your breath as a focal point. So those are, that's one. Um, Another practice that I encourage during this time is meditation. And sometimes we get really um, confused isn't the right word. We become intimidated by meditation because we think we have to, it means us that we're sitting down and we're being quiet, but really meditation is your opportunity to sit with those five bodies that I mentioned earlier, your physical, your mental, your emotional, your breath, and your um, intellect and wisdom. And your practice at that time is take a moment to sit. And then every time your, your, your mind goes away, your mind gets distracted, you just bring your attention back. So you can be fully connected with what's taking place in your, in your body and in your life and in your experience. So then you can speak to it and act from a space of groundedness instead of acting from a space of distraction or stress. Um, both breathing and meditation are things that you can do anywhere from one minute to three minutes. I encourage people to do it at the beginning of their day when they wake up. I encourage people to set an alarm for the middle of their day um, to give them a reminder to check in with their breath, to give a reminder to check in with themselves or to meditate. And then also before they go to bed right now and in high stress situations, finding a sleep routine or being able to sleep throughout the night is something that we're being challenged with. Our minds are running. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And thinking about things. And we also have such a high virtual experience right now that that blue light from the screen is also making it challenging for us to actually sleep. And so some suggestions for nighttime routines, yes, finding a breathing practice and a meditation at night. But if there is a way to set up a routine where you choose and make it an intention to go to bed, usually before about a 10 o'clock hour, then you give yourself an opportunity to begin to wind down, turn the TV or begin to turn your screen time off about an hour before you plan to go to bed. So your body and your nervous system and your eyes can begin to come in contact with your circadian rhythm and just begin to to wind its way down. Um, And then finding a good routine for waking up. So finding a morning routine that feels good for you and helps you feel prepared. If you wake up in the morning and you don't feel rested, then I encourage you to like navigate different uh, routines that are going to allow you to wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I feel rested. So sometimes seven to eight hours of sleep works and that makes you feel rested. Sometimes you wake up after seven to eight hours of sleep and you feel tired and exhausted. So it's not really about the hours. It's about how you feel. So set a bedtime routine, maybe even have a wake-up routine. That might include making a cup of tea. That might include a meditation practice. That might include 15 or 10 minutes of gentle movement. It doesn't always have to be a long exercise practice if that doesn't work for you. Our time, I will say there's a no concept of time right now, <laughs> particularly in my life. So when it comes to time, give yourself and make space for what you have the capacity for. We don't have to make lofty goals here. It's these small moments of checking in with ourselves that's going to make the most different. 
And then you get you get used to the rhythms um, of those. Yeah. First, first of all, I loved your definition of um, stress in in this time. You know what that looks like and how that is for everyone. Being that I was just saying earlier, I feel like a lot of people are still in this reactive state and reacting to again being confined by the government. You know, or being asked to wear masks or having to do things a certain way. When I think that we just, and a lot of times, need to not react in that way and just kind of understand that this is how things need to be for now and how they're going to be for a little while. And like you said, take a different perspective on it versus feeling like retaliation is the way to go in regards to having the, um, you know, protests and doing all of this stuff that's putting people in harm's way in my sight, you know. But again, I digress. You know, people are reacting to how everything is taking place in, in their own ways. But all of the self-care routines that you said, you know, I think are really important. And I recognize, you know, where I'm lacking personally in some areas where maybe have strengthened over time. So I'll say personally, my sleep routine and again, like you said, waking up routine, um, I've recognized that my screen time has been well over what it needs to be. And it's not even by choice completely. It's because I work in communications. My jobs, it it makes me have to be on the computer all day. I have to have Zoom meetings. I have to um, be answering emails and, and, and creating documents and on social media all day long. And then I have my personal life. So I want to talk to my friends and my family. And then I want to watch some TV because that's all pretty much, you know, what else you have to do other than do stuff around the house. So having to recognize that that's something that I'm doing well over uh, the amount that maybe I was previously doing because I'm having to do it um, at home to keep myself occupied and to continue to work. Um, is something that was important for me to recognize. But at the same time, I saw that it was affecting my sleep routine at night. It was harder for me to, and it, and it's still sometimes, it's harder for me to get to sleep. But, and then too, when I dreamed, you know, I was dreaming about everything that I saw earlier in that day. Who I spoke to, who I thought about, social media, TV shows that I watched. And I was like, this is, this is too much, you know? But I think that I'm just now starting to see the benefit of, again, shutting things off earlier, um, making myself go to bed at a certain time. And then two, recognizing that I'm starting to wake up earlier in the morning and noting that I actually feel better waking up a little bit earlier. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm the one who, again, presses the snooze button or continues to roll over. And and now, you know, I really have no reason to get up and rush because I don't have to hurry up and get dressed for work. You know, I can just hop out of bed, go to my computer, check my um, emails and, you know, make breakfast and do what I got to do. But, you know, that was even more of a reason for me to not wake up that early. But I'm seeing that it's probably a good thing. So this morning, I would say, personally, I woke up at like 6.50. And I was like, oh, first thought was, I could sleep for another hour. My second thought was, why do I need to sleep for another hour? You know, and to me, that was really reflective in that moment. And I and I did lay in bed for another 10 minutes, but I woke up at seven o'clock knowing that I didn't need to do anything really on my on my to do list um, until later in the morning. But I said, hey, let me let me use this time to get up, get myself together, be with myself 
for a little bit of time. And I thought that that was, that was growth personally for me, you know? Yeah. I I totally see what you mean by uh, kind of recognizing your routines and making sure that you are, you know, being present with yourself and seeing that things are ever changing. Um, So, yeah, I will say too, that with the, just to name that, that, that mention of growth and the thought that, you know, asking that inquiry, like, okay, I woke up, I could sleep, but do I need to? That's that body of like intellect and wisdom checking in with how you're feeling and checking in with where you are to then make a decision that better served you. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe that happened this morning. (laughs) It really (laughs) did. Cause I surely was going to sleep until like eight something. And I was like, no, let me get up. But yeah. So I would love to hear um, before we close out, what is that one piece of advice you would give to listeners, uh, to do during this what now time? The one piece of advice would be to honor where you are because what that's going to do is to help bring hope and clarity and balance for making decisions and taking care of yourself in the way that best serves you. So just with anything is honor where you are Take a moment to be present with how you're feeling on all of those five levels. And you mentioned this earlier, just say that my feelings on all levels are valid. And once you come to that space of acceptance, then I just encourage you to move from that space and let that action of your intellect and your wisdom of taking care of yourself in this very moment be your hope for all of this uncertainty that's going on And just move forward in that way with clarity. And so it's as simple as that. Be present and honor exactly where you are in this moment and use that inner peace and that inner hope to just move forward. Wow. You know, yes, just be present. And I agree. Your feelings are valid. They are valid. So thank you so much, Ashley, for being on our Sweet Talks What Now mini series. I constantly learn from you as my sister and I'm blessed because of it. Um, Ladies, I encourage you to connect with Ashley and participate in some of her virtual practices. She's still very well connected in the community and, and serving these classes and everything virtually. So how can they do that, Ashley? Yeah. So visit us at www.barasolyoga.com. Our full schedule's there. Um, And then we also are offering guided recorded meditations and recordings of classes. Um, So I encourage you to take a look at that and join us. Oh, and then on Instagram, we are at at Yoga. Um, And then my personal Instagram is Ashley J underscore Williams. Awesome. Go follow her, support her, continue to learn from her just as I do. Um, You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Talks Podcast. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, and Spotify. Don't forget to check out our website, sweettalkspodcast.com with all of our past guests and episodes in one place. Until next time, stay sweet.